Hello and welcome to the Digital CXO Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vizzardi. My guest today is once again, Alan Schimmel, CEO of TechStrong Group, publisher of DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, TechStrong TV, and of course, Digital CXO. Alan, welcome to the show as always. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And look, I got to give a shout out and plug to our TechStrong Research Business Unit as well. You know, we recently brought Mike uh, Rothman on as GM of that. Mike brings a ton, a lifetime of security analysis and analyst experience. So we're really excited about TechStrong Research. All right. It's good to work with Mike as always, but let's dive in. So there's a new study out from PwC, and it basically says that half of the senior level executives that they surveyed are doubling down on digital transformation and an equal number are investing in things like customer experience and IT. And we're seeing folks, despite what are some obvious economic headwinds, continuing to invest. But the troubling side of that equation is that the other half are not, if one half is. So what do you think is going on out there right now? Are people who um, have the funds and resources to make investments going to win and uh, folks who don't are kind of sealing their own fate? Or is there something else going on? You know, that's a great question. And I think the PWC survey kind of really highlighted it. In my mind, there's a couple of different factors at play here. Number one, is the worst time the worst economic time from from business managers is is the in between is the flux right if you know there's we're we're cruising along and the economy's strong it's real easy that rising tide lifts a lot of boats if you know that there's a recession going on or that there's this downturn and there's you know potential recession you act accordingly but the great thing is, is even in a recession, there's always opportunity and, and fortune favors the brave and the bold. So in a recession is, is really maybe sometimes the best time to do an expansion, to be aggressive, to try new things. It's the in-between where you're not sure if you're going forwards or backwards. Are we up or are we down where people get, you know, analysis paralysis and they don't know what to do. Right. And and I think that for a lot of us, that's where we are when we look at today's economy. One week, the stock market's rocking. Yesterday, it dropped a whole bunch on interest rate fears. We don't know. Is inflation here to stay? Are we making gas is down? Gas is cheap again almost. Right. So that sort of uncertainty is what the market hates and it's what business managers hate. Um, that being said, even during COVID, when, you know, money was free, there were a lot of business managers who were sticking their head in the sand or some other part of their body and, and were afraid to spend money to on things like digital transformation to to accelerate that to to deal with you know the realities of a new economic world order so there's always going to be laggards mike i cannot remember a time when i was absolutely certain of anything at least not in the last two decades but um you know, one of the other things that comes out in the survey is that folks seem to want to have their cake and eat it too in the sense that they recognize that the biggest inhibitor to these efforts is the lack of people and specialists and knowledge. And yet, 
they're also saying that basically half of them want to reduce their headcount and lay some folks off. So is this really about right-sizing ultimately to get to the right mix of people to drive the next wave of digital processes? Because that's, you know, it's not just about throwing bodies at the process anymore. Again, I, I have my own view on this and and it and it drives i think what we're doing a little bit here at TechStrong. you know i think again during covid there was a lot of expansion a lot of hiring taking place but it was hard to hire people and so you took people wherever you could get them and and so you had this huge change of of remote workers i think there's a lot of organizations that are now realizing is that how we want to operate permanently? Is that the best way for this company to operate? Digital transformation empowers a lot of that work from anywhere stuff, but is it really the best thing for our company? And and so I personally think there's a lot of horse trading going on in in terms of headcounts, in terms of hiring, in terms of initiatives. Um Again, I, I think a lot of business managers are betwixt and between on what's the right, should we have a hybrid work policy? Well, that seems to be the one that's going to win out the day. But what does a hybrid work policy mean? What does it mean for our company in terms of digital transformation, in terms of, of offerings, in terms of what our customers want? Right. It's one thing to be selling stuff to customers who are all in an office. It's another thing to be selling, let's say, a SaaS application, you know, to people who are working from the beach and stuff. Um, it, it, it's drive that whole this whole hybrid work kind of question, I think, is driving an awful lot of uncertainty in the market. A lot of it comes down to an intangible. It seems that there's clearly benefits of putting people in the same room or the same office where they bounce ideas and concepts off each other and some things start to happen. It's difficult to do that over Zoom all the time because it's a, you know, it's essentially a meeting by appointment and people don't think at the great idea at the exact moment you're having a Zoom meeting. I, I yes, I, I get it. It, it, there, there's definitely that. I, I'll tell you what else, too. It's just, and, and this is from my own personal experience, it's frustrating when you want to do a team meeting and you, you just can't get the team on the Zoom at the same time or, or what have you. It's a hell of a lot easier when you're in the office and, and doing it. But it's it's not just that aspect of it, Mike. I think that frames and drives a lot of business decisions in terms of what products do you make, what products do you consume? And I, I think that's a big driver here. Speaking of new products and what people are building that's new and different, um, VMware has expanded out its blockchain platform, adding support for additional types of languages. Blockchain is now at the core of some of these Web3 decentralized applications that people are building. And VMware is contending that these things are coming to the enterprise now, and we're going to see a whole new class of applications. What do you think? Are we on the cusp of some new era here? Just because VMware says we are? Well, just because somebody um, is talking about blockchain. Yeah, I know. I know. Look, well, let's remember it's Broadcom. 
let me let me give you the the shimmy take on this. I don't deny blockchain is a good technology that has a lot of uses. You know, I feel like you know you've got a great career ahead of you, just not here. Um, <laughs> blockchain has a great a great future in front of it. I just don't know where beyond crypto, obviously, right? I I, I don't know if this. I don't know what the future with crypto is. I think it's taken a massive hit in 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 rely in uh, not reliability, but in legitimate legitimacy. It's been attached to too many scams and so forth. And I, I, you know, at some level, blockchain almost shares that black eye. But nevertheless, blockchain technology is real. Blockchain technology has some real uses. Is VMware looking for a uh, a life ring for the man overboard to grab onto here? Because Tanzu's not going to be a huge player in the cloud native market. And, you know, they're thinking what's next. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I do think we will see blockchain technology becoming much more popular. I think it'll have real enterprise uses. I think it's a little far out, though, still. Yeah, I would say we're looking at at least three more years before it's everywhere, but I don't think it's everywhere to the extent that Web 2.0 goes away. I think we're going to see uh, different classes of applications where, for example, you want to have a little trading network that doesn't have necessarily have to have a bank in the middle of it. That's a good use of the platform. That is a good use of the platform, but Mike, be real. How many people are developing trading platforms? I think the maybe the leading two or three companies in a given vertical have enough business weight to drive that. Okay. I I don't know. I mean, I first of all, I always have a hard time saying anything's real if it's three to five years out. Talk to me in three years. All right, I hate to be the pessimist, but that's that's me on it. All right, well, we'll come back to this again and again, I'm sure, because it is at the core of some of these digital transformation initiatives. But I do want to yep. get to, there's a problem with digital transformation, and it comes down to data management. The folks at Capital One had a survey, and basically they surfaced all the well-known issues that we're having with managing data, and frankly, we're not so good at it. And that creates this problem because the data is at the core of the digital processes and the data is a mess. The quality is questionable. Um, it, there's a, it often conflicts with each other. Different applications have different instances of the same records. And if we don't clean all this up, I don't see how we're really going to make any of these digital processes really work over the long haul. So what are we going to do to clean up the data management problem? So... I agree. We have a data problem. It's almost like somewhere along the line, we forgot that it was all about the data, stupid, right? Because it really is all about the data. And, you know, for a long time, we were content, like, you know, the McGilly Gorilla Show, look at the gorilla in the window. Not everyone out there remembers that, I'm sure. But we were content to just look in the window and say, oh, my, look at all that data, right? And, and so we judged the quality of our data by the quantity of our data. 
Well, quality and quantity are always different, almost always different. And just because you have a lot of data doesn't make it good data. And especially if you can't analyze it and perform analysis and, and take actionable intelligence out of it. And and so we went into that big data thing. Then we went into this whole, let's analyze the big data thing. And no one really stopped to say, well, what was the quality of this underlying data? We're collecting things because we can, not because we should. And we're not collecting it necessarily the right way. And so... I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg or what. I guess at some point, though, someone had to realize and say, time out. Before we put all this money into collecting all this data, before we put all these cycles into analyzing this data, shouldn't we look to make sure the data is real? Shouldn't we look to make sure the data is, is its quality? And if it's not, take that into account somehow. And, you know, the, the old story, right? quality in is quality out and you know what in is you know what out and right so you need you know you need to put those kinds of controls in place i don't know if we have today i i think we need to going forward unfortunately we've we've just been collecting data for collecting data's sake and and this is the this is what we wind up with so let me ask the follow-up to that, because you see all these organizations that espouse that they want to become a data-driven organization and they're making mm -hmm. decisions based off of the data. But if the data is a mess, how can you make you know reliable decisions? That, that, and that's exactly it. I think I think a lot of these organizations who wanted to be a data-driven organization were on the give me more data, give me more data, give me more data train. And then they got off of that train and transferred to Grand Central for the analyze more data, analyze more data, analyze more data train. But what they didn't realize is that the the trains were rotten. They, you know, every we need high speed trains, not steam locomotives. We we need, you know, we need data that's reliable. And we need to manage that data reliability re reliability. You know, data it has a shelf life too. We should remember, right? And and so, it, it I agree. It is a mess. We need we need better data. You know, we're doing a virtual event next year on the whole data situation. Everything from data management to data collection to data security, data analysis. Data is still at the heart of IT, and we don't treat it as such, and in, in every aspect, including management. And and so we we need to do better. There's no doubt about it. I don't have a magic bullet answer for that. By the way, I I don't know what's going to make people do better. All right. Well, I think we should get ready to launch that twelve-step data junkie recovery program. What do you say? That, that you know what? There's something to be said there because we don't have enough here at TechStrong to do. Let Let's put that. You might you don't mind heading that one up, do you, Mike? <laughs> I'll get right on it. All right. Last but not least, we have the metaverse is experiencing some security issues. 
And I guess the question that comes up is, are we once again chasing after something from a security perspective? And, and again, we'll be doing it with a bolt on and not integrated in. Why should the metaverse be any different than everything else we've ever done? You, you know, Mike, I'm reminded of an interview I did 10, 12 years ago. I had the CEO of MongoDB and Couchbase. Couchbase had just formed out of a merger of CouchDB and something with the word base in it, I don't remember. But these, these are two CEOs of the leading NoSQL databases of the time. And I asked them, and, and actually I had my friend Rich Mogul as a security person on the podcast with me. And I asked the two CEOs of these companies, I said, you know, a lot of people say NoSQL stands for no security. Um, what What's the deal with security on MongoDB and Couchbase? And mind you, this was 12 years ago. But I think it's still relevant today. This Both CEOs said to me, Alan, we will build security into our products when our customers demand it. And there's a lesson there, right? When you have new technologies that you're exploring and you can't, you know, you can't boil the ocean, you, you are, if you want to be successful, you're generally customer driven. If we want security in the metaverse, we need metaverse customers demanding security. And if they're not demanding security because they want better looking people in the metaverse or more functionality or more neural stimulation or whatever the next metaverse, you know, killer app is going to be instead of security, we're, we're going to pay the price. But this is the way of the world. The metaverse may be new, but it's not unique. And and so we, you know, when people demand security, we'll make security important. I would take some hope from the fact that we're already starting to have this conversation. And if I remember back in time to your example, it was years before we started talking about security and NoSQL databases. And now with the metaverse, you know, maybe that's down a month. So does that represent progress? Well, I, I think it reflects that security really has ascended to being a, a big concern in all technology. And so if this metaverse is a new technology, we got to worry about security. Um, but Mike, I, you know, look, met, the metaverse is something we're looking into here, as you know, at Tech Strong about, you know, hey, look, any way we can reach our community and our readers and, and contributors and our, you know, the folks who, who consume our content, if we could use the metaverse to make it better for them, we will. Um, I think we're kind of early. Yeah, I'd love to do a poll of how many of our listeners, readers, etc., actually even have like a, an Oculus, you know, how many of them are, are participating in the metaverse. Um, and I'll I'll throw it out to you. Maybe that's something we could do on Digital CXO. Maybe we can. I'm just looking forward to putting out that first text that says, please ignore my avatar. I got hacked. So yeah, well, <laughs> that's probably happened already. Or or maybe we get a congressman who's doing something wrong and he blames it on his avatar getting hacked. 
That's exactly where we'll be next. All right. Well, we won't know what to believe anymore, but we'll see what happens. We're already headed down that road in the multiple venues, but the metaverse yep. just one more. Hey, Alan, as always, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Mike, it's a pleasure. Keep it up. I love, I love doing these with you. Take care. And thanks for listening to our show. On the Digital CXO website, you can find complete episodes as well as show notes with the links to the stories we discussed today. And you can also follow us on your favorite social media platform and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you all next time.